0: Welcome to the HR Chat Podcast, bringing the best of the HR, talent, and leadership communities to you. For more episodes and the latest articles covering what's new in the world of work, visit hrgazette.com, subscribe and follow us on social media.
1: Hello and welcome. In this episode, we're going to consider how CHROs and HR leaders can keep their people engaged and growing in a post-pandemic workplace. My guest this time is Whitney Johnson, CEO of Human Capital Consultancy Disruption Advisors. Whitney and her team are experts at helping people grow their people to grow their organisation. Whitney is the award-winning author of Disrupt Yourself, A world class keynote speaker and a frequent lecturer for Harvard Business School's corporate learning. She is a popular contributor to the Harvard Business Review, has 1.8 million followers on LinkedIn, where she was selected as a top voice in 2020, and her course on fundamentals of entrepreneurship has been viewed more than 1 million times. Whitney also hosts the popular weekly Disrupt Yourself podcast. Whitney, it's my honor. To welcome you to the show today.
0: Bill, thank you for having me.
1: So, beyond my wee introduction there, Whitney, why, why don't you take a minute or two and, and introduce
0: yourself? My name is Whitney Johnson, and I my background is I studied music in college, so that allowed me to do something called Disrupting Myself, and I've written a book called Disrupt Yourself. But my background primarily is working on Wall Street. I started on Um, working at Smith Barney back in the late 80s as a secretary and eventually moved to become an an investment banker then an equity research analyst, discovered the theory of disruptive innovation that was um, architected by Clayton Christensen at the Harvard Business School and was so intrigued by it, not only as a way to explain what was happening in the markets in the emerging markets with telecom wireless disrupting wireline i saw it as a way to think about how do people disrupt themselves what does that look like um, and so i eventually co-founded an, uh, an investment fund with clayton christensen to invest in disruption going long netflix short blockbuster and found myself more and more thinking about this theory of how do we apply it to individuals And so I wrote a book called Disrupt Yourself. I now have a podcast called Disrupt Yourself. I then had another insight. We were using this S-curve that was popularized 60 years ago to figure out how groups change. And I had this insight that that could also help us understand how individuals change. And so I've developed something called the S-curve of learning that is a very simple visual model of what growth looks and feels like that can be used to not only demystify personal growth, but also to decode talent development and succession planning, and also thinking about how to manage an organization that can therefore be innovative. So so that's, that's what I do and um, those are the ideas and that's how I think about the world and then we take this framework, we use it inside of companies um, and then wrap coaching and workshops around it as, executives are trying to think through, how can we help our people grow? Because if we can grow our people, we can grow our, our, our team and therefore grow our organization
1: awesome thank you and and you've got you know pretty pretty inspirational career story by the way i, I was watching a, a tedx talk uh, by you earlier today and you were talking about you had one superpower uh, right at the beginning and that's it you could type over 80 80 words a minute i think it was and and, 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 <laughs> yeah. and that 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 set you on your career trajectory into everything you're doing today and it's, it's it's just very admirable uh, I've, got, I've got a lot of respect for it um okay so and Absolutely, uh, and I, I understand that you coach CEOs and and C-suite executives, Whitney. When, when it comes to remaining connected with employees and, and colleagues, what, what have been some of the reoccurring problems faced by CEOs and maybe CHROs and and others during during the past two years from the conversations that you've
0: had? Yeah, it's interesting. So, so there are a number of conversations that I've had with people that are more tangential to what. I do, which is, you know, how do we make sure that everybody can feel seen and heard and um, how do we set up remote work and and hybrid work, et cetera. Um, But one of the things that I have found as I've talked to and coached CHROs and CEOs is that even underlying all of that is, you know, how do we do remote work? How do we do flexible work? How do we do hybrid work? Is that question that people have which is, am I going to be able to grow uh, working for this organization? And am I going to be able to grow working for this particular boss? And so while there are some questions that have emerged over the past two years that are unique to our living through a pandemic, I think in many ways, they've only served to highlight the experience that people are having, which is they want to know that there is growth upside for them inside of the organization in which they're working.
1: We'll be right back to this conversation after this very brief message from today's sponsoring partner. The Jovio platform enables businesses to buy, manage, and track recruitment media. This includes job sites, social, and search marketplaces to attract and hire the most relevant applicants on time and within their budget. Powering more than 20 million jobs every day Our data-driven recruitment advertising platform uses advanced data science and machine learning to dynamically manage and optimize talent sourcing and applications across all online channels while providing real-time insights at every step of the job seeker journey. Learn more at
0: jovio.com.
1: Okay. So what I'm hearing there is lots has changed, but plenty has still essentially stayed the same. How have you worked with the c-suite then to to help uh, and you and your team to help strategize and, and and find solutions
0: there are a number of different things that we do and it, it oftentimes depends in terms of sometimes you know a ceo will bring us in to coach them and we will work with them they have a leadership behavior that they want to work on and over time they'll start to understand oh this S-curve of learning, it's, it's a way for me to think about what growth looks like. For me, it's a way for me to think about how do I develop and grow my team because it gives us a common language. And so from there, we'll start to think about, okay, so where are you as the CEO on your S-curve of learning or where are you the CHRO on your S-curve of learning? Um, now let's think about where is everybody on your team? And as they think about where are people on their team, it starts to give them a way to um, to wonder, okay, well, if I know someone's on the launch point, how do I manage that? If I know someone's in the sweet spot, how do I manage that? If they're in, in mastery, etc. cetera. Um, so let me give you a specific example of what that can look like. Um, a company called Chatbooks, they are a, a company that turns Instagram photos into, um, and, and photos generally into, into books. And they've been around about seven years. It's very fast-growing company, a company where people like to work, and as a consequence, they had a number of their people starting to move into the mastery phase, the top end of their curve. Um, These people like working there, they don't want to leave, and so and they want to continue with the culture, they don't want people to be bored, and so the CEO brought us in, had us administer our our S-curve insight tool that allowed all of their senior executives to see where are they currently on the S-curve in their current role. And what that allowed us to do is to say, oh, yep, not surprisingly, most of them are in that mastery phase where they need to do something new. But what it did is it gave them now a language to talk about the experience that they were having. So in the case of the CMO, she was able to say, oh, now I understand what's going on. It's not that I don't like working here at Chatbooks, that I don't like working for you, the CEO, it's just that I'm bored and I need something new. And so she could then have that conversation with the CEO and in her particular case, she ended up moving to a new firm, um, a new company, so that she could have that new S-curve and then give opportunities to other people coming along. In another instance, it allowed the conversation to take place where they had promoted someone to be the president, and he felt like he was in mastery because he was bumping up against the CEO who had promoted him. That gave them this way to have a conversation of, hey, let's look at the roles and responsibilities CEO, I think you're kind of on my S curve. Can you maybe move off my S curve so that I feel like I have more headroom? And it was a very collegial conversation. And by the CEO being willing to fully jump to his new S curve and his responsibilities, that gave the president the headway that he needed so that he was effectively back down into the sweet spot of his learning. And then one final person, um, the, the CTO who was also at the top of the curve, he had taken on a bunch of new responsibilities It allowed him that freedom, that permission to say, hey, I'm doing a bunch of new things. I'm at the launch point of my learning. I'm gonna feel awkward. I'm not gonna do it very well. It allowed him to normalize the experience he was having and also talk about it with his team so everybody would have permission to try new things and be uncomfortable in trying them. And so that's what it can look like is having that conversation, administering this tool, giving people a language to talk about their experience that they're having and then act on it. What does that mean for talent development? What does it mean for succession planning? What does it mean for organizing the team in general? So that's a a practical example of how you can use, use our work.
1: Let's just, Continue on with what you mentioned just at the very end there. Uh, when you when you're summarising, you're you talking about talent uh, development, and succession planning. Obviously, right now, something I'm guessing is on the minds of and it's kind of new, um, on, on, and on the minds of uh, the C-suite is is the Great Resignation and retaining one's best people, one's one's top talent. How, how can organisations retain their top talent, Whitney, and, and predict perhaps if a high performer is maybe a, flis, a flight risk, they're going to they're going to move on to, to another company
0: yeah it's really interesting. i as I think about this um, and, and using our model um, and and reflect, I don't know that it's the great resignation. Yes, people are resigning, but I think in many instances, people are resigning um from because they're aspiring to. they're they're they've discovered they were they were pushed out of their comfort zone off their current S-curve of learning. They discovered that, oh, I've got this different perspective. I think there may be new opportunities for me. I'm now in motion. What else do I want to do? What else do I want to aspire to? What else do I want my life to look like? And so I think in many instances, if um, a leader can look at this and say, all right, I've got people on my team and they're resigning because they're aspiring to something else. If I can give them an opportunity to grow inside of my organization, give them an opportunity to aspire inside of my organization, then this S-curve of learning becomes a retention tool because you're now able to say, all right, here's where I think you are on your S-curve. I think you're in the sweet spot. You're a high performer, you're doing a fantastic job. But they may say, actually, I feel like I'm in mastery because I'm very good at what I'm doing. In fact, I'm so good at what I'm doing, I feel like I can't do it anymore. I am bored and I'm not feeling motivated. And so I'm either going to be complacent, but probably not in this job market. I'm just going to go do something new. And so if you can have that conversation earlier when they're still in the sweet spot, then you can say, all right, we need to make sure we've got a plan because you're about to get to that place where you're going to need to do something new. And I really want to retain you. So how can we help you grow? Because it doesn't matter if I, as a leader, think you're in the sweet spot, what's going to predict a person's behavior is where they think they are. And so by having that conversation, using this as an artifact to figure out where they are, you are going to give them an opportunity to grow. And if you believe that there is upside for growth in an organization, you're probably not gonna leave.
1: Makes sense to me. Now then, you're a bit of an optimist, and um, I understand that you believe that 2022 will be a year of tremendous growth in the workplace, Whitney. Also, that you feel that the Great Resignation ought to be called the the Great Aspiration. Tell me a bit more.
0: I am optimistic because psychologists have said that whenever you come through a period of severe stress, which the pandemic has been, we are now in people. There's something called post traumatic growth. There's this tremendous growth that takes place, and part of what's going on neurologically is that people have acquired some stress. And so it's required all sorts of new neuro, all all sorts of new situations, which have created new neurons, new neural pathways. And so people have already started to grow. And so they're in this place of, okay, now I know how to grow and I'm ready to grow even more. And so I think that we are in this place now, and this is where the great aspiration comes from, like, oh, I know how to do this. I want to do more of this. And so I believe that you're going to have many people who have really strengthened and flexed that muscle of knowing how to be resilient, knowing how to do something new, knowing how to change. We're going to see a lot of personal growth, personal transformation, which is going to lead to organizational transformation.
1: And specifically, where where do HR leaders, CHROs, HR directors and and, and similar, where where do they fit in when it comes to keeping their people engaged and and growing, as you're just talking about there in this post-pandemic workplace?
0: I think CHROs are so important um, because they're, in many instances, the, the CEO is not thinking people first. Sometimes they are, but many instances they are not. And so um, the, the CHRO really can and needs to um, take the lead in thinking about how are we going to grow our people? What does that look like? And having that ability to articulate to the rest of the C-suite, hey, if we want to grow, we need to grow our people. And in fact, if we want to grow, we need to grow ourselves. There was a really interesting study was just released by Aegon Zender a couple of months ago. I surveyed a thousand CEOs and those CEOs, um, 80% strongly agreed that to transform the organization, they needed to transform themselves. 100% agreed, but 80% strongly agreed. What's interesting is that number of strong agreement where the percentage was only 26% prior to the pandemic. So through the pandemic, that number has increased by three times where people are understanding if we're going to transform we need to transform ourselves now some people get that some people don't so the role that the c h r o in particular can play is how am i going to grow myself how are i how am i going to articulate to my entire team that they need to grow themselves and if we will grow ourselves then we will give permission to grow our people and if we will grow our people then we can transform our organization so it's all of the the strategies and the tools the training the development the 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 well-being etc but it starts with that mindset of we need to grow ourselves to grow our people to grow our company and i believe that in many many instances the chro is the person who can articulate that vision and and help get buy-in for that across the c-suite
1: now I also understand that uh, you are a fellow podcaster, a, a far more successful, better known podcaster than, than myself, of course. Maybe you could take it. A... <laughs> well, I always it's like to.
0: Uh...
1: <laughs> it's just who I am. Uh, whenever I whenever I chat to an, another podcast host, I I, I like to pick their brains and, and and see what they do and how they do it perhaps you can take a couple of minutes now and, and tell our listeners a bit about your awesome podcast disrupt yourself um, i understand you've had guests including simon Sinek. i, I had simon Sinek's head chap i um, his lead igniter uh, but i've never had simon on it's, i believe it's weekly maybe as part of that you can share some of the biggest lessons that that you've heard on, on the show maybe even you'd be so bold as to point out one or two of your favorite guests
0: Yes, yeah, so it's called the Disrupt Yourself Podcast, and I've been doing it for four or five years now. I originally started it because I wanted to, I really like interviewing people. I didn't expect that it would also be an opportunity for me to find, do so much primary research and discover so many amazing, fascinating stories. Um, which is one of the things that I love about it. And it turns out that if you listen to my podcast and then read my book, Smart Growth, you will find that many of those interesting, fascinating stories have made their way into the book. Um, I would say that one of the things that, or one of the stories that I really love that made its way into the book is that of Mike Rowe. So he for people in the United States or outside of the United States, he was the host of a, something called dirty jobs, which, um, basically all the jobs that people do that make it so that we can live a life, you know, whether it's a sewer inspector or, um, a roach, you know, roach killer. I mean, like dirty, dirty, uncomfortable jobs. And one of the reasons that I loved that him as a guest is, first of all, he is a magnificent storyteller. Secondly, he really, changed my view around what we generally can term blue-collar work versus white-collar work and it was very powerful for me i realized that i had some biases in place around blue-collar work and i think many people in the certainly in the western world do so that was a very eye-opening for me of recognizing that work is valuable um, as long as it is good work um, whatever regardless of the kind of work it is and then Um, The third thing, so he was a great storyteller. He helped me think about work differently. And I don't remember the third thing. Um, But it was a fascinating, fun interview. And I think that that's one of the things that I have enjoyed so much is getting to hear people tell their stories and then pull. Oh, I know it was the third thing. I remember now. Um, Something that was fascinating to me as I have listened to many of these interviews or conducted them is that So often one of the pivotal people in a person's lives is either a great boss or a great teacher. And Mike Rowe had a great teacher, Um, specifically a teacher that said to him, you know, you you can sing and you can um, speak clearly because he struggled with a stutter and really opened up all sorts of possibilities for him because of that teacher and there have been numbers of also people talking about great bosses. And so I think that that is a really powerful thing to me is hearing how pivotal teachers and bosses can be and bringing that back to the conversation that we're having today is the power of being a great boss, the power of being a great people leader, the power of being willing to reward people. When you see people in your organization, that are not just the ones who are delivering against the KPIs, but those people who are the no stats all-stars, the people who are just making everything work, those are very powerful, important people in your organization and really acknowledging them um, and the contribution that they make to the ecosystem, which as an HR leader, you have the power to do.
1: Well, I think that's a cracking place to to wrap this interview up. Actually, uh, what a, what a fantastic message! So, just before we do finish off, then Whitney, how can how can folk connect with you? How can they get one of your <laughs> many many books? Uh, I, I was on Amazon earlier. I'm like, goodness me, this this woman is prolific. How can how can they learn more about the work that you get up to?
0: Yeah, so I think that right now um, the, well, since you're listening to a podcast, it would be very easy for you to hop over to the Disrupt Yourself podcast, and maybe you can include a link in the show notes to the micro um, episode that we talked about. So that's one very simple way, and it's free. Um, the, another simple um, way would be to buy our current Burke, 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 book, to buy our current book, Smart Growth, um, And I actually have recorded it on Audible if you like to listen to audiobooks. And those are um, the two easiest ways. um, If you want to contact me for whatever reason, I'm at wj at whitneyjohnson.com. I do answer all my emails. So I think that is probably sufficient if people want to get in touch.
1: I think that's comprehensive enough for now, Whitney. So uh, that just leaves me to say for today, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the HR Chat Show. Oh,
0: Bill, thank you for having me.
1: And listeners, as always, until next time, happy working.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the HR Chat Podcast. There are hundreds of conversations with business experts available for free on the HR Gazette website, Apple, Spotify, and all the main platforms. And remember to like, subscribe and follow us on social media,